Welcome to the St. Joseph Radio Presents live program broadcasting to you from the Rome of the West, St. Louis, Missouri. The program that for over 30 years has brought you eloquent speakers from across the globe to help explain, clarify, and evangelize the Catholic faith. Our program covers a variety of topics relating to current issues and occurrences in our daily lives. Now, with the aid of technology, we are able to bring the gospel message to the four corners of the world, where Christ himself did say, those who have ears ought to hear. It is our hope at St. Joseph Radio that through these programs, we can help evangelize the world and change one soul at a time. Now, here is your host to introduce today's guest and topic. Well, hello and welcome to another edition of St. Joseph Radio Presents, coming to you live from St. Louis, Missouri, which we proudly and uh, you know modestly call the Rome of the West. Uh, and with me, so my name is Ray Gerard. I'm uh, your host today. Uh, and with me in studio is a special guest, uh, David Snively. David, welcome to the program. Well, it's a pleasure to be here. So I'll give uh, I'll give the, the audience a tease. So uh, in, in speaking with you before this, this program began, um, I was really uh, interested and intrigued with a lot of what you were talking about. So uh, consider that a tease and stay with us and you'll find out what I'm talking about. But before we get started, like we do with uh, every program, is we do like to begin with a prayer. And David has agreed, kindly so, to lead us in that prayer. So, David, if you would. Dear Jesus, thank you very much for this opportunity to evangelize to the world, for your life here, and all those that you touched with the apostles, and the blessings for the faithful, including St. Gregory the Great, whose feast day is today, and who made such an impact as one person did on the world. These things we pray. Amen. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Thank you for that. So, uh, why are you here? <laughs> what makes you so special? <laughs> I mean, I, I will tell, the, uh, I'll tell the, the audience that you were nominated last year uh, as, um, as a candidate to be uh, named the Catholic Man of the Year, um, but you did not win. <laughs> it was quite a crew and a very deserving winner. So, it's a humbling experience, um, right. which is always a good thing. But um, you've got some credentials that uh, richly you know, uh, justified your, your nomination, and we're going to get into those. Uh, but before we do that, um, well, you know what? Forget that. Let's, let's, uh, let's start with... Um, with one of your major accomplishments, which is which is simply this, I do want to get into your your, your background, your faith background, growing up and such. But before that, I think we should tell the people that uh, you were chairman of the board of directors for Life Team, and uh, and so the the board was responsible for the Life Team organization around the world, uh, which serves a very important purpose, does it not? Perhaps you could sure. You know, uh, a lot of the audience may not know, but Life Teen International is probably um, the largest Catholic youth ministry program in the world. It's in over 25 countries. Uh, there are 2,000 parishes in America uh, that are Life Teen uh, focused. Over a third of the seminarians uh, today uh, come through the Life Teen network. That's amazing. Uh, and we put on about half of the Franciscan University Steubenville conferences. We run summer camps in America, Europe, Australia, New Zealand. 
Um, we have mission bases around the world, including one in Haiti. Um, but it's really aimed at high school and middle school youth to teach them the faith. And it's focused on the Eucharist and the Mass. It's uh, consecrated to Mary. So I think uh, the goal is to uh, get the young people alive in Christ, exposed to Christ in a relational ministry uh, basis. And that's the way we do it. So we're reaching you know, hundreds of thousands um, every week when we do our Masses around the world, and it's on social networks and, and all of that. So we're meeting the uh, young people where they're at and uh, sometimes putting on events like at World Youth Day. We brought Matt Marr over with his band from America and put on an event at the Mercy Center with Bishop Barron for 20,000 uh, young people inside that and 10,000 people standing around the outside of the arena. Um, so we, we try to be where the church needs us because we think uh, young people are going to make the difference in the church globally, and that's what it's about. So I, you're right. I've been on the board a very long time in a couple of stints and uh, was chairman of the board for uh, a few years when we had World Youth Day in Rio and then again in Poland um, uh, with Pope Francis. And you're still on the board? I'm still presently. on the board presently. They haven't kicked you off? No. <laughs> I, I may time out, but uh, <laughs> I have a work session in Georgia next weekend uh, at one of our camps where our board's going to get there. We're going to help uh, just work on that and then work on strategy. Uh, but at the board's global uh, on basis. We've got priests from Haiti, um, other priests from around the world, bishops, Bishop Walls walking the Camino, Right now, he's on our board, uh, so it's it's a very diverse group of sisters uh, coming on. We have a sister coming on the board in uh, December, and so we try to really reflect uh, the church today. So it's uh, it's one of those things where we need to make a difference to uh, speak up for Christ with the young people. And you mentioned this before, but I think it bears repeating that uh, the future of the church, obviously, so. Uh, does rest with our young people. Right. And so I, I don't know if you can come up with maybe a more important mission. I mean, this is an incredibly important mission. Right. And that's why I still lean into this, uh, even at my you know, age of being a retired uh, general counsel from a Fortune 500 company. I think this is important uh, for our, my grandchildren, others' grandchildren and, and children to have a vibrant faith. And, and the reality is the vocations are coming out of uh, groups like Life Teen and, and St. Louis in particular, being the Rome of the West, has a real responsibility um, to the church to do its best. And I think that's one reason we were picked uh, to be the site for Focus's SEEK conference, which is going to be the first week in January of 2023 down at the uh, Domed Arena. And it'll be a week of young adult ministry. Uh, and Life Teen is going to help focus put that on, and I think the Archdiocese is leaning into it as well because they've already figured out with all things new that one of the major things we're lacking is young adult ministry, and we have zero young adult ministers in the Archdiocese of St. Louis, so we've got to solve that. We've got to get the kids when they're young, we've got to keep them in the faith in college, and then we have to give them opportunities as young parents or young adults in the parishes to have a place to be and to practice their faith and model their faith. And that's what's going to you know, really bring the church back into its vibrant mode here in St. Louis. 
You know, by the way, uh, I like how you got that in there. You got in that Rome of the West uh, slogan, and I'm, I'm impressed. You're, you're, you're doing well. I mean, you could, you could be a host of this program yourself. Well, I tell you, Cardinal Dolan always refers to St. as St. Louis as the Rome of the West. He's very proud of that. He'll be back uh, for the SEAT conference as well. He's going to do Eucharistic Adoration, I think, on Wednesday night at that event. And, and that's, I think, going to be impactful because Focus has never had a Eucharistic adoration event at a Sikh conference before, and it's one of the things that will make all the difference in the world. I think adoration, our parish has perpetual adoration, is really where I think we get our power from, and I think that's what the bishops have figured out and why they're going to focus on the Eucharistic Congress in 2024, uh, maintaining and, and bringing forward uh, our faith and, and showing its, its power. And Life Teen is going to have a part to play in this Eucharistic Congress. We are figuring that out, uh, but you're right. Uh, I think that we will have parishes all around the four routes where they're going to proceed with the Blessed Sacrament, and we'll have our parishes involved in those. We probably will put on events on each of the four legs, and we're working with the um, National Committee to figure out what we do in Indianapolis at the uh, dome there uh, for the actual Congress. So we're trying to do our part uh, with the greater church of, of making a difference. And I think it would be rewarding to the, to the young people that participate in it um, to be involved with a large Eucharistic procession right. or Eucharistic Congress. Um, I mean, I, anytime you spend um, moments with Christ in the Eucharist or you pay him some reverence in his, in his real presence, um, that just is so enriching. It's, it's, it's inspiring. It, it, you know, I think, yeah. You're absolutely right, Ray. And I, I'd say this, uh, Bishop Barron, who did um, the, he was the keynote at our event in World Youth Day in Poland, in Krakow. Uh, we brought Matt Marr over, who's a, a well-known uh, Catholic Christian uh, musician, a Life Teen kid, used to be a Life Teen youth minister. Is that right? Yeah. And, and he was on our board for Life Teen. So we brought him over with his band uh, to the Mercy Arena, which the Knights of Columbus were kind enough to rent uh, for the week. And then Bishop Barron not only spoke, we did Eucharistic Adoration for 45 minutes as part of that. And, and he was wearing St. John Paul II's vestments, and, and the oh, three wow. seminarians were carrying this immense um, monstrance, and it was, as Bishop Barron says, the most powerful Eucharistic experience of his life. Really? Yeah, and it was it was great. I mean, Matt did a wonderful job with the music because we had the arena packed with young people who were waving flags and, and going crazy as young people do, and, and Diane, my wife, and I were blessed to be there, and, and um, it was one of those things where he then calmed everybody down and then you know, Jesus entered the room, and it was just a powerful moment. And every time you do Eucharistic adoration or processions, you touch people. Uh, they may have questions, uh, which can be answered, or they may have experiences where they're touched um, by the presence of Christ, uh, or there will just be media uh, questions and coverage. And I think the secular world needs to know more about our faith and, and Jesus. Uh, so. Absolutely so. And before we go out and talk to anybody to, to spread the faith, we need to have a good, solid, you know, center of our own. And there's nothing like a uh, like the Eucharist to understand that 
you know, he is, he is real. He is with us. And with him, you've got the, the strength to do anything. And that's really important today. And, I mean, there is so much misdirection in our society. And so for young people to, understand, to, to, to get close to, to Christ and know that he's really there, I mean, that's got to give them, I would imagine, a lot of fortitude, a lot of strength. It's got to help their conviction. There, there's just so many influences on young people today. And I would think that, yeah. you know, the life team purpose and goal and, and the ministry is has got to be you know so so very important well I, I think that all of us see that in the young people who are dealing with social media and all the pressures and all the secular world um, it's hard to deal with um, but I but I do think that you have to do your your part to stand up for Christ and whether it be through youth ministry or other people picking different paths to find their own mission in life and I think this is my mission. Um, it's not perhaps for everybody, uh, but I think they can prayerfully discern what they're being called to um, uh, and listen to God. And I, I would recommend that they get in front of the Blessed Sacrament and get quiet and just listen and, and pray over a period of time as they discern how they're being called to mission. That's probably the most important thing that they can figure out is to get quiet and, and listen to God speak to them because God eventually will. And that's what happened to me many years ago when I, f I felt called to help Life Teen. I wasn't a core member and I wasn't in the youth group. My kids were, but it was one of those things where it just was a moment where you felt you were being called to make a difference and it's been enriching for uh, Diane and I. And seeing her on her own missions of she's very much involved in the pro-life movement has been for decades. Um, but I think seeing her model her mission uh, really helped me uh, stay open to what God was going to call me to do. And it, it's evolved over time, and I think that's what everybody, every man or woman would ever say is your faith is going to change and your experiences and opportunities will change. And I've been really blessed maybe to be in, in places where others couldn't be and, and you know, just say yes, because we're all in this. We're all born for a time like this. And uh, so tell me about um, how you came to, to be on the board. I mean, were you asked at some point, and what was your reaction when you were first – you're starting to laugh already. <laughs> well, I, I was already a, a senior lawyer at uh, my company, Monsanto, um, so I was pretty busy um, and had, you know, three kids that were growing up. Um, probably some were not quite yet in high school and others were. Um, and we had just put uh, Father Herman, uh, now Bishop Herman, was our pastor, and he introduced perpetual adoration and life teen into our parish. And, and those two things transformed our parish. I'm going to interrupt uh, and break in for just a second, just to let people know that this is uh, St. Joseph Radio Presents. We're coming to you live from St. Louis, Missouri, as both uh, David and I refer to it, as the, and not just us, but uh, uh, Bishop, um, Bishop Herman as well, the Rome of the West. Um, and uh, so that is what you're listening to, and we're glad that, that you are. And uh, we were, talking, uh, with our, we're talking with our special guest, David Snively, today who uh, used to be uh, chairman of the board for Life Team International, still on the, on the board. And, yeah, if you would continue and explain to us you know, how uh, 
then, you know, how you reacted to first being asked to yeah. be on the board for this really important organization. Yeah, my reaction was I hadn't really done anything like that before, didn't really feel super prepared uh, for it, and felt a little inadequate from a faith standpoint. But I also felt that um, if I said no, maybe all the people who were lawyers, that were Catholic, that were in a parish that was on fire because of youth ministry and perpetual adoration would say no, and then Life Teen would die, and then it wouldn't be available to people. That's really what drove it. And I knew that Father Herman, uh, he may have been Bishop Herman by then, was on the board of Life Teen, and I, I knew that there were some challenges that as a lawyer uh, I could probably help uh, from an executive standpoint. And so I, I said yes when another board member uh, from St. Louis, who was stepping off, asked me to consider it, and I, I did say yes, and it turned out to be uh, a life-changing event for me. I've you know been to you know, places like Lourdes and Montserrat and Manresa and you know World Youth Days in Rio and and in and, Poland and, and it's Haiti and Haiti. Yeah, we have a mission base in Haiti, which we're going to talk about later. Yeah, and and you've gone to places like that where you see the faith alive. Um, but and I'm really enriched by it all, but also able to give some uh, executive direction, if you will, to uh, to that. And it's you know life is going to present opportunities. This was one of those I said yes to, just like when I said yes to be the general counsel of Monsanto. Um, th that took a decision, but it was one that uh, ultimately you know was was good and allowed me to evangelize maybe within the executive ranks, like I would. You know, on the executive floor, we were casual all the time, except when I would be wearing a bow tie and I would jokingly tell everybody, I wear a bow tie for the archbishop. I've got a meeting with him today. And so it's, it's one of those things, even in the secular world, you can go out there and you can present yourself uh, as a Catholic who's practicing, and it, it does have an impact. And it turned out ultimately uh, when my boss, the CEO of the company, was going to go to the Vatican for a weekend with 100 top CEOs and meet with Pope Francis and talk about um, world issues, and he was in charge of the world issue on food security, uh, I get a chance to sit down with a non-Catholic for a few hours and say, this is really what the Catholic Church thinks about our company, these issues, uh, and, and this is what Pope Francis's background really is. It's a great way to, in your workplace, to maybe evangelize. And I think everybody that's listening to this program is going to have different opportunities to lean into this and, and say yes. So whether it be, yeah, I'm going to be the you know, chairman or board member at Life Teen, or I'm going to talk to my boss about the Pope, or you're all going to get opportunities. They're just going to be different. And we just try to be intentional about those opportunities and decide what you say yes to and, and just do it every day. And we all have those opportunities because we all fit into, I mean, he's got a plan for each one of us. And so we all have this. So as I'm listening to you, I'm thinking to myself, so how does it feel? I mean, if you were first asked to be on the board uh, for a life team and you weren't, yeah, I don't know, you had misgivings or weren't sure, needed to discern it before you said yes. And then you became, the, not only were you asked to be on the board, but you has to be the chairman, and, and that allowed you to be in all these countries and do all these things. So obviously, you can see now, I guess a little bit of a rearview mirror, that there was this plan for right. you. 
And so you were chosen for a significant part. And I'm just wondering now, looking on, looking on this, and of course you're still playing the part, but how does that feel to know that God had you in mind to do this work that you're doing? Well, it's humbling, and I think I can look back my entire career, you know, going to law school, ending up where I did in my firms, coming to St. Louis, every step of the way. You can look back and say, that's God uh, and, and doing it, and you just don't feel it at the time. It's hard at the right. time. But uh, but I do think that there's a, there's a new book out that actually was recommended to my wife by uh, Archbishop Rosansky. It's called From Strength to Strength by Arthur Brooks. He's a New York Times bestselling author. He's a Harvard professor who teaches happiness at Harvard University. Mm-hmm. You probably wonder why do Harvard kids need a course on happiness. But but as he said, they're really unhappy. And mm-hmm. and in his book, the the thesis in a in a more of a secular presentation is you need four things to be happy. You need to have faith. You need to have uh, family, and by that he means just either your real family or a group of close personal friends who are family uh, to you. You also need to have meaningful work uh, in your life so you feel grounded to that, and and you also. As, as part of that, have got to have a, um, a purpose. And I, I think that anybody that's thinking about mission needs to think about those sorts of things. Uh, and Arthur Brooks recently, when we were at the Knapp Institute in California, which is like Catholic Disneyland for a four or five day period, um, where is, you there, have, is the admission is as high priced? As, it is as high priced as <laughs> Disneyland, but but you're in a totally Catholic setting where people are thinking about the church and the faith broadly. And Arthur Brooks was there, giving like a TED talk, a forty minute uh, presentation of his book, which on audiobooks about ten hours to listen to. But but he and he goes to daily mass. Okay, he's a Catholic, so you don't get that from his book, but you get it from the TED talk. And what he really said was he's got students coming up to him and say, I see what you've got. I want that. Uh, what do you really mean? And it's really an opportunity for him to then talk to them about Christ and the Catholic Church and, and the faith. And I think everything we do, we should have that intentionality about it. But I think it's a good example of if you can touch those four points that he's got in his book, you can figure out you know, what my mission could be and, and what you're being called to be, and then pray on it uh, and think about your charisms, because I think you can be good at different things. Uh, I was an executive for a Fortune 500 company, but that's probably not what my charisms are. What, what God is giving you is your gifts, and you need to discern prayerfully what those are and figure out what it could be. Maybe you've got great faith, or you can be good at evangelization or hospitality. Uh, Think about those sorts of things and and then how it fits in, and you'll see fruit if if you're practicing what your charisms are. And it's taken me a long time to figure that one out, but uh, at this stage of my life, I I did take a course, actually. Did you? In it, it was called uh, The Next Chapter. It was put on by Tom Offenberg, uh, through St. University, and there was a team that taught it, and it goes on every year. Uh, now it's being offered through the Jesuits. But this was all about Ignatian spirituality and how you discern um, where you really should be and what your charisms might be and what's good, and then 
I didn't know much about St. Ignatius before I took this course. So I'm still learning the faith. But now I've been to Manresa where, in the cave where he was, and he wrote his examen and, and was in Montserrat where he um, recuperated. And, and Life Team, we chose Montserrat intentionally for our training conference in Europe. Um, and we're there with the monks on the mountain. And we were the first group back after COVID to actually be there. And we brought in 150 uh, youth ministers from Europe and gave them a tutorial for several days on youth ministry. They all paid their own way to get there, and they're very much on fire for the faith. And we have 150 parishes in Spain. They're life team parishes. And a decade ago, we had none. Really? So and we had World Youth Day in Madrid, and from there we began. Uh, and so, yeah, people will say Europe is dead to the faith, but there's hope. I mean, there, there are people there of faith who just need to go to the right places. Well, there's always hope because it is the truth. It is the it, truth. And it, you go if you go to the world, go out. I mean, it's one of the most humbling things you could possibly do is to go on a mission trip. You know, my wife, Diane, has gone to Nicaragua with Life Teen, and they dug, you know, wells in, in sanitation facilities in villages that are remote that don't have clean water, don't have uh, toilets that would keep out disease. And she did that. And it's, it's world eye-opening when you go to that. I've been to Haiti and Uganda. It's very similar. I feel blessed to be in a place like Haiti where they don't have running water or electricity. Um, these people are incredibly poor. Uh, they have to suffer earthquakes and hurricanes. But they have tremendous joy and faith. And, and it's all because of Christ being present in their lives and being the center of their lives. And you know, I feel a little jealous, actually, when I leave there, that they have something that's so hard for us yeah. in America to have. Yeah. And you were telling me, and, that, and I, I've been to places around the world where you get that, I get that same feeling. You know, I'm a little jealous. But uh, you were telling me, you know, uh, before we uh, got on the air about um, a special mission down in Haiti that came about because of one of these earthquakes that you mentioned. Right. So, so the earthquake, in, uh, the big earthquake in Haiti was... 2011, I think, um, and it destroyed m much of the nation. Uh, hundreds of thousands of people died. Um, many of the seminarians were killed. They were in the cathedral at the time when the roof collapsed, so they lost hundreds of seminarians and, and priests. And uh, the bishop asked us to come back. Uh, well, that's our, that's our cue. We get a, we get a little wrap up music here, but we're not wrapping up uh, for good. We're just wrapping up for a, a little break. We're going to take a two minute break, and then we're going to come back. We've been talking with uh, David Snively, former general counsel for Monsanto, a Fortune 500 company, and also in his spare time, he was uh, chairman of the board of directors for Life Teen, an international uh, organization that serves a very important function. Uh, it uh, it serves uh, the young people and helps them, um, you know, get 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 started. Uh, make sure that you know they're centered uh, with with the faith, and uh, you know there's, there's there's so much need there for this for this particular mission. And uh, Mr. Snyder has been an important part of it. And join us again.
Joseph Radio with a great gift idea, a St. Benedict bracelet, a trendy accessory for men, women, and children that not only looks good on everyone's wrist, but is actually armor for the spiritual battlefield. This unique bracelet is handmade in Europe and contains 10 medals within the braided cord in the adult size and 7 medals in the children's size. On the front of each beautiful medal is St. Benedict holding a cross in his right hand, the object of his devotion. On the back of each medal is a cross. Surrounding the back of the medal and cross are the letters VRSN. M-V-S-M-Q-L-I-V-B in Latin reference which translates Be gone, Satan. Never tempt me with your vanities. What you offer me is evil. Drink the poison yourself. And finally located at the top is the word Pax which means peace. All bracelets come packaged with an informational card and the St. Benedict blessing which your local priest can administer. This gift is for everyone you love and care about, including yourself. Available from St. Joseph Radio. Check the website at www.saintjosephradio.net St. Joseph Catholic Radio is proud to announce the launch of SJEN-TV, the St. Joseph Evangelization Network. SJEN-TV is a premier online Catholic broadcasting network providing quality Catholic programming 24 hours a day, 7 days a week. We have programming such as live studio interviews, St. Joe's Java speaker presentations, current Catholic issues, and the Pro-Life series. We're featuring the many talented speakers out of Orange County, California, and this Archdiocese of St. Louis, Missouri including Professor John Gresham, Father James Mason, Karen Nokemper, Rick Hollerick, Bill Federer, and many more. To review the program list, go to sjen.tv or on Roku, sjen.tv. All this programming is free, and we are welcoming sponsorship of new programs. Find out more at sjen.tv. Well, welcome back. This is uh, St. Joseph Radio Presents coming to you live from St. Louis, Missouri, the realm of the West. And uh, I'm Ray Gerard, uh, host uh, for your program today, and with me in studio, David Snively, uh, who we're very fortunate to have. Former uh, general counsel, if you don't know what that means, that's like lead attorney for Fortune 500 company, Monsanto. And uh, also, it just had to happen this little, you know, side job uh, where he was chairman of the board, uh, still serves as a, as a director on the board for Life Teen International Organization, uh, serving uh, all of our Catholic youth. So that is very important. Um, and, uh, you know, before the, the break, we were talking about the situation in Haiti, the earthquake, the destruction of the cathedral there. So perhaps you can maybe continue that a little bit? Sure. Um, in the discussion we had as a board about whether we were being called to do help in Haiti by putting a mission base and missionaries down there, we really took it to prayer because my initial reaction was, this is crazy. We don't speak Creole. This is a big lift. This is a lot to do in a country that's been devastated, that has nothing, really doesn't have functioning roads, water. How are we going to do this? And and we need to have support from the local um, bishops if we're, this is going to happen. And ultimately, the board member who was um, on point for this got Bishop Dumas to give us a letter of invitation. And he said his vision was that we would have a base where we would do youth ministry, develop youth ministry in Haiti, and go out into the parishes and bring Christ back in those places. Because for the audience that doesn't know it, Haiti's about 95% Catholic, and it's also about 70% voodoo. So you have a huge spiritual battle going on there. These people don't have anything uh, for the most part. They're very poor. They live on a dollar a day. And uh, so to bring youth ministry 
from life team into that sort of environment was difficult to envision. But ultimately, we took it to prayer, and we did it, and, and we made a huge investment uh, with the uh, our, with the bishop there to put American trained missionaries there that would serve six months to two years teach them Creole, bring in all the infrastructure you had to do. We had to build all the buildings. We had to bring in the transportation and then recruit and train the local Haitians uh, to do it and you know, make it secure. And so it's, I was the chair of the board at that time and went down on an early board trip. And, and basically the missionaries there thought we were there to pull the plug on it. And we were there like dads to make sure that they were safe. These are our kids. We wanted to make sure they were protected. This is a country that's got lawlessness uh, going on. And, and so we want to make sure they had what they needed to be safe uh, because we feel really responsible for it. And ultimately, it was incredibly successful. Um, you know, Scott Hahn has been down to our base, and you know, he had some of his teachings translated by one of his friends who's a Franciscan uh, University graduate who happened to be our priest on our base, and that was one of the requests we made of the bishop was, we have to have a full-time priest at our base if we're going to do this, and and we're going to ground this from a spirituality standpoint. And so, you know, Scott's supporting us as we do that mission there, and we get vocations from this uh, down in Haiti. And your audience in America doesn't realize what it's like to have hundreds of people process uh, openly to a church down a road listening to the band on your bus as you take them into the church, and then you spend two hours in uh, in prayer and in adoration uh, at a church with these people who have nothing, and they're giving their time for hours and hours to be there uh, in a church uh, with Jesus. And, and all they have is Christ, and that's, it's a real gift to be able to do it and to train young youth ministers uh, so they can help the priest and the, and the pastors uh, down there do it, because you're out in the remote jungle. You may have a bunch of little chapels in the hills where they may get mass once a month if they're lucky uh, as these priests rotate through it. Um, but we need to have more you know, boots on the ground, if you will, youth ministers to do it. So we actually s- set up the base, and, and we've run the base for years. In the last three years, because of the lawlessness in Haiti with total unrest, uh, we've just sustained the base with our local Haitian missionaries. We can't bring Americans to it because it's not safe. Hmm. Uh, but but our hope is that the country gets back uh, you know, under control and, and that we can go back in full force with our American missionaries. We actually had parishes from St. Louis come down to our, our mission base there. We would host them. Uh, for a week, and and they would go to the orphanages with us, go house to house, hut to hut, if you will, uh, to uh, these uh, people, and, and you know share the Bible with them, and go to church with them. It was it was great. Uh, it's a wonderful experience to do, and that's just one example of, of where we pray into it, and God leads us to Haiti, just like God led us actually to put a mission base in Ferguson before it became Ferguson. Okay, before it all happened. And I was, again, the chairman. It's a coincidence. You know, it's one of those Marian coincidences. And I told our people who were saying, put a mission base in Ferguson, why in the world (laughs) would we do this in Ferguson, Missouri? There are lots of places in St. Louis we could go to, uh, but we were there. And uh, I think that um, 
at at the church, we were able to hold that church together and and the community together, if you will. And and Archbishop Carlson was there with us a lot uh, on that as we were up there at Blessed Teresa Calcutta and you know, Our Lady Guadalupe down the street, helping that community through that moment. And that's all God. This is not you know any magic that we do other than pray into it and try to be intentional and listen. And the Holy Spirit and Mary guides us. Life Teen is consecrated to Mary, and uh, our focus is Eucharistic adoration and Mass, and that really speaks to the kids, and, and we just try to figure out how we can develop them and train them and expose them to relational ministry in a way that they can relate to, because most of the church today doesn't relate really well. You know, you were talking about the situation down in Haiti and how challenging it was just simply from a logistical perspective. You've got water, transportation, basic needs that, you know, can't be supplied. And so you have to somehow survive and manage in that kind of environment. So tremendously challenging. But those weren't the only challenges, were they? I mean, there was a spiritual challenge. Right. And it was a very powerful spiritual challenge that you, I guess, witnessed. Sure. Personally, you know, our Priests that are down there are trained in spiritual battles, spiritual warfare, if you will. And I think the audience is kidding themselves if they don't believe that there's spiritual warfare going on now in America, and it's going on all around the world. In Haiti, it's just a lot different because these people don't have a lot, okay? They're not driving cars, and they're not rich, and they're not watching TV. Uh, They've just got their faith in their souls. And as I said earlier, Haiti's about... 95% 95% Catholic, 70% Voodoo. Voodoo is openly practiced in Haiti. Uh, one of the um, people that we trained as a life teen missionary, ultimately, used to be the number two recruiter uh, for the Voodoo doctor in the area. And it's a big money deal to recruit people for the Voodoo doctor. And people go to Voodoo doctors for lots of reasons including that the uh, sometimes it's because they give, give them over, their parents give them over when they're children or they mm-hmm. get sick, and, and they have these spirits heal them, uh, and then they're oppressed or, or affected by it. So we've been there, and so sometimes you're at, at church and uh, one of these events where you've got the Blessed Sacrament being brought out by the priest, and we usually have two priests when this happens. Um, and they bring the Blessed Sacrament person to person, face to face, right in your face for 45 minutes or so in the church. So this is not like you're doing adoration on your knees a mile away from the Blessed Sacrament. This is very present. And sometimes in those situations, people who are suffering uh, from spiritual warfare uh, react. I've personally been present uh, where with my son, my oldest son, uh, was there with me on this mission trip, and I've been seven or eight times to Haiti. Uh, this is one where this 15-year-old slender girl picked up a 2,000-pound pew, a wooden pew in the church, and threw it across the church and you know, screamed in a superhuman scream for unbroken for 30 minutes, and it took six people to hold her down, to calm her down, to pray over her and play, pray, you know, uh, to Mary and, and to Jesus and, and you know, St. Benedict and, and St. Michael, the archangel, and then the priest was with her uh, dealing with this. And, and so you see this oppression uh, that they may have. It could be, you know, worse. And in this case, this individual girl 
Uh, it was her mother who had actually introduced um, the adverse spiritual effects to her. And it took uh, really a couple of years of working with her and the priest uh, to get her out of that environment. We actually helped uh, through the uh, uh, bishop and, and the priest remove her from that environment and give her an opportunity to be healed and strengthened. But you, you see it face to face, and it's, it's a little unnerving uh, as a you know, rich American coming down to Haiti and seeing this face to face. It does it's blow the world. It's another, it's another world, and uh, but it, the world is is like that in other places too. I would recommend a book by uh, Bob Goff to everybody to read. It's called Everybody Always, and Bob Goff's a, a not Catholic, but he's a, a lawyer, a Christian lawyer in California. He's written New York Times bestsellers, Love Does, and Everybody Always are probably two best books. And Everybody Always is about when he was going to Uganda. And he was going to Uganda as part of a team that was prosecuting witch doctors. And witch, doc- witch doctors exist in Uganda. Human sacrifice is still practiced in parts of Uganda. And, you know, m- the world doesn't think about this, but it goes on. And in his book, he writes about that experience of confronting one of the witch doctors who ultimately he sent to prison. And the witch doctor came to Christ. And the change that it made. Uh, in others there in Uganda. And having been to Uganda and seeing the faith and seeing the conflicts that go on there, it, it is, it's different um, than what we have in America, but it's, you know, the same battles going on. This is a spiritual battle of immense proportion. And here we don't see it, we don't notice it simply because he hides behind other things. We've right. got so much material wealth, um, and you know, we've got so much uh, in terms of media that's available 24-7 in all kinds of different formats. And it's easy not to see, you know, see him behind those things. I mean, we talk about being able to see, you know, behind, uh, behind the white veil of the Eucharist. Well, there's another spiritual force in play, and we just don't notice it. That's correct. Um, but anyways, um, so... You've had this now this opportunity to go these different places around the world, see all these things. Uh, I have the benefit of being able to see the real, I mean, the devil as a reality, to know all these things, see all these things. Um, but you're, uh, personally, I mean, your, your own path to this point has, you know, has been uh, what, maybe something you wouldn't have imagined, right? I couldn't have. I was not, you know brought into the faith until I became a convert in college. Uh, I was baptized. I was the only one in my family baptized as an infant. Uh, my father didn't uh, practice any faith. He, after the Battle of the Bulge, he gave up on God, and uh, I was introduced to the Catholic Church when my mom remarried when I was 16. And uh, ultimately, this has been a long faith walk, and I think been blessed uh, by a wonderful wife of, you know, you know, who's really been faithful to her, her Catholic roots uh, from St. Louis uh, for all of her life and has been a real influence on me. Um, but these opportunities grow. And, and when you have children, uh, you think about life differently. When you have great pastors like Father Herman was, you think about life differently and you're challenged. And this is, you pray into it. And I think going to daily Mass, for me in the last, you know, 10 or so years, has been a real pivot point 
in my faith walk, and it, that came out in a way I wouldn't have imagined. Uh, our son was being divorced by his uh, new wife, and it was one of those where you just – I decided one day I'd go to daily mass. And, and that's been a real blessing uh, to me. Uh, over that period of time, I can't imagine not going to Mass. Now. You were still at Monsanto at the time? I was. I still at Monsanto. So you're still putting in a lot of hours. Right. So going to daily Mass uh, wasn't the easiest thing. It's, it's a, it becomes a habit. So I get up at 5 o'clock in the morning, usually, and do some prayers, and then go to 6.30 Mass. Then when I was working, I would go to 6.30 Mass at Priory, and then go into the office and, and do the rosary on the way to the office. That's that was what my quiet time, prayer meditation time was like, uh, as a habit, if you will, uh, and it really helped center me because, you know, there were problems all over the world. I when I'd get up, I'd have problems in India or Asia, and it just kind of rolled across the planet while we were dealing with it and. Uh, yeah, these were, were long hours, but it gave me the grounding, I think, the strength to get through it. And um, people were accommodating, if you will, uh, to faith in the workplace, too, because you know, I was the general counsel when I was in Poland for World Youth Day, and we were in the middle of the you know, $83 billion deal with Bayer at the time, and I was negotiating the transaction. And so I'm on the phone in the field with three million pilgrims, <laughs> you know, telling my boss and the team, okay, I'm going to put you on mute because the Pope's going to come in about 25 feet from me, uh, and, and I'm just going to listen, okay? I don't think I need to say anything. <laughs> so they were kind enough to let me go do that. Well, that was very good of them. Uh, so this is, uh, I, I should tell you, that this is St. Joseph Radio Presents, coming to you live from St. Louis, Missouri, the Rome of the West. And we're here today in studio with David Snively, who's talking about uh, his experiences not only um, as a convert to the Catholic faith, not only as a successful executive with a major U.S. corporation, but uh, with uh, his involvement on the board of directors uh, for uh, a tremendous organization called Life Teen. And, you know, David, um, it's, it's interesting. So Life Teen is devoted to helping young people perhaps get on the right track, discern their particular place in the world, if you will, um, with their faith as being a, an important and integral part of that. And, uh, but, but, you know, that, that kind of, of journey um, is, is, is something that all of us, you know, can, can embark on no matter, you know, what age. We don't have to be a, a teenager. And, you know, maybe we've, you know, gone a long way on that journey so far. Um, you know, maybe, you know, uh, we've only, you know, uh, ventured on it a little bit. But, you know, the principles that you apply in Life Teen, I mean, they, they work for everybody. They do. Ray, I was so impressed on the tour you gave me today of the office here that you've got the Blessed Sacrament in a chapel here at the station. And that's very important. I mean, Life Teen, all of our offices um, in, in the country, in Atlanta, in Phoenix, and in St. Louis, have the Blessed Sacrament in a chapel there because we're powered um, by the Holy Spirit and, you know, consecrated to Mary. Uh, the Eucharist really does matter. Mass really does matter. And so we want to expose young people uh, to Christ in a personal, relational way and to help train priests and help put together the support network that these people need because 
teenagers want to belong. They want to have a relationship. They're being, they know they're being called. They just need to feel comfortable. You can put them in the right settings to do that. And so we work really hard at making it easy for parishes uh, to have all the resources to do this. Uh, you know, we do put on training conferences and events and things like that, but it's really all about helping parishes build what they need to be successful. We're really blessed here in St. Louis to have lots of Life Team parishes now, uh, but we started with one. We started with ours at Incarnate Word, and, and we've just gone off from that. You know, Father Chris Martin, who's leading the All Things New Initiative, is one of our kids who then became <laughs> a priest and was on the Life Team International Board. And, and so we're still in touch with on how we can make all this available. So it's good to have people who are knowledgeable about that as a support network. And I think whether it be this radio station or what other people do, we need to give the church the tools it needs to be successful. And, and our conclusion was in working with the Vatican and other places, um, the church in general isn't really well equipped to deal with the young people in the environments they are facing today. Life Teen is very relevant to that group. We're very big on social media, music, on how we do homilies, how we train core groups and put the relational ministry together to give the kids the most important opportunities to encounter Christ, whether it be at our summer camps or at Steubenville's that we put on for Franciscan University or World Youth Day events. There's a way to do this really well where the kids are open. They're all being called, and a bunch of them are being called to vocations. They just need to know it's okay. They need to see other people uh, do it. When we do our, our conference out in, in Mesa, Arizona, or at Scottsdale, rather, for the um, uh, training conference, we usually have a hundred priests there, lots of bishops, and they're treated like rock stars, like they should be, okay? They're, they're, they should be. They, they should be. And, and I, they need to see that. They need to feel loved. And I think that's one thing all your listeners can do for their priest and, and religious is you can be their friend. They need friends. They need support. And Hospitality is a really important part of all of this. That's one of the things that Life Team does, and, and we try to be intentional about it, give a relational uh, mystery. One of the things with the nuns, you know, nuns being N-O-N-E-S, who are leaving the church, um, they're still open to God. You just need to approach them the right way. They will connect and come back, but you're going to have to do it in a relational way, not a demagogic doctrinal way. That's, that really is important, isn't it? You mentioned, a, you said a, a relational way. Said this idea of community, um, this idea of, you know, not being alone, having other people around you. I know you mentioned this uh, before to me, and uh, it's something I've experienced as well. When you are with other people of faith, it is strengthening. Right. You can draw from that. And that's that's an important part of, of your success story with Life Team, is it not? Right. When you know, look, and when we're in Rio de Janeiro with you know four million pilgrims kneeling on the beach on the Copacabana beach, and four million, four million, and and Matt Marr is doing uh, "Lord, I Need You" at adoration <laughs> on his knees behind Pope Francis. It's an incredible experience, and I was like a mile back the beach, and I I shot the video of it, and then I saw Matt the next day, we were at the airport, he's flying, I said, Matt, 
did you actually turn around and see what it was like to have that many people praying and adoring the Eucharist? And he says, no, I didn't. I was focused on my music and, and all that. And so I, sh I showed him the video. It just, he t tears came to his eyes. It yeah, was, yeah, it's yeah. a powerful thing if you put them in the right context to have that experience and then build off of it and you know, link them in. And we think parishes are the best ways to keep people pulled in and take advantage of it. Just like the SEEK conference that Focus is going to put in St. Louis in January is going to be a great way for young adults to connect with other young adults who are serious about their faith. And I, I know the Archdiocese is going to try to take full advantage of that. We need to because our young people need a way to, to land. I've uh, been in a place where, um, you know, for adoration, the church was like literally packed, where people are like shoulder to shoulder. Mm -hmm. And you're right, what you described where, you know, brought uh, tears to Matt's eyes. I mean, there is something so powerful about being with other people in an intense faith environment. And it just, it, it strikes you in, in your core. There, there's, you know, what we say, hey, whenever two or three are gathered. And there's a reason for that. There's a reason for that. And it's, I don't know, uh, maybe the Holy Spirit? Well, I think it is the Holy Spirit, and I think the Holy Spirit's calling us in this time to be brave and be out there. And this is hard in the secular world. Uh, the book I gave you from Christendom to Apostolic Mission talks about that, that this is a time where Christendom's behind us. We're going to have the secular world pushing in, and we're going to have to be true to our faith and, and let the Holy Spirit do the work. Just let's all do our part. This is a battle by the Holy Spirit. This is not one where you're called to win. You're called to be faithful and, and try it. One of our friends uh, from the Papal Foundation is going to be part of a Eucharistic procession on Wall Street in, oh, wow. in October. Uh, and, and they're going to end up at uh, St. Patrick's Cathedral. But, you know, that, that's what you do. You get out there and you witness. Uh, Eucharist procession down Wall Street, that would be something to see. And this whole idea of evangelizing and getting out there in a world with so many challenges, well, that's going to have to be a topic for another day. The topic for today has been Life Team, the Life Team Ministry, helping uh, inspire, helping nourish, uh, helping educate, uh, helping encourage young people in our church who are really, and of course, this, this is obvious, uh, are the future of our church. And uh, to discuss all that, we have had in our studio today uh, David Snively, who has uh, been particularly able to talk to us on that simply because he was the chairman of the International Board of Directors for Life Team. So, David, I want to thank you so much for being with us today. We hope all of you have enjoyed our program and that you join us again next time. Thank you for listening. listening to St. Joseph Radio presents from the Rome of the West, St. Louis, Missouri. If you would like to join us in our evangelization efforts, you can order a copy of today's broadcast or any of our past programs by visiting us on our website, stjosephradio.net. That's S-A-I-N-T, josephradio.net. Or call us, 636-447-6000. It's all at your fingertips to help us evangelize the world, bringing the good news of Christ everyone you meet and change one soul at a time. Thank you for your prayers and support. Until next time, may God bless you and your family. This has been a presentation of St. Joseph Radio Presents.